0: Hi, and welcome to the E is for Everyone podcast. I am your host, Josh Bellevue. Joined alongside me as always, Rob Le show. Rob, what is up today? Big episode, right? Huge episode. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to get right into it, really. And today, like we promised last week, we've got a special guest on the show. Kate Yeager, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: Thank you so much. I am doing great, gents. More importantly, how are you? I heard there was some weather... That really got, that really tried to put a, throw a a nice little, nice little frag grenade over into your uh, podcasting moment here yesterday.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So we were supposed to actually do this yesterday. Um, However, here in New Hampshire, we had some uh, pretty severe weather and, uh, you know, uh, internet doesn't like weather. Neither does any type of electronics. (laughs) (laughs) So Kate, uh, for those of you listening in that may not know who Kate is, Kate was a host for the Apex Legends mm-hmm. Global Series, the esports of Apex Legends, and you know, I, I got to say, the first time that I ever saw or heard about esports in Apex Legends, I had logged on to my computer, logging into Apex, and I see this little box on the screen that says, "Come join, watch the ALGS live." And so I tuned in, and Kate was actually the first person that I saw on the screen. Oh, Welcome Kate. everybody in, <laughs> and it got me intrigued and and. When I look at that aspect of esports, that's something we want to talk about today. And, and the first thing I want to ask you, Kate, is how did you get involved with being a host?
1: Mm. Uh, this this is one of those questions that I feel like is it, it can be either be super useful or like if if you're like me and you listen to people answer this question, very aspirational, where it's like, oh. You you knew a guy who knew a guy. Cool, I can totally do that. No no no. So what happened was <laughs> I was uh, I I was working as a producer uh, at Microsoft and got laid off. Love love me some Microsoft. They're the best. Don't get me wrong. Anyway, uh, but it was but got laid off and uh, my this the head of what then was Xbox programming. This was way back in the day, gang. Like this was. I'm not going to do the math. It was a while ago. So she and she is actually, ironically, she's, she's now one of like, she's actually very high leadership up in Xbox now to this day. And so mm. I get to still work with her, which is great. Um, but she saw a pilot I had done with my little ragtag Microsoft crew because at that time I was working on um, what was, and this will date me, by the way, but at the time we were working on, um, right before I was laid off, we were working on experiences on the Xbox live platform that were new. For example, we helped launch the UFC app That's and awesome. uh, college oh. football pick'ems. And um, we basically were this ragtag little group of people who came together and were like, you know, we could do all these cool things with all this great equipment like this, like this fabulous, you know, uh, a video, excuse me, a uh, camera that, uh, that the, that <laughs> was forced upon consumers everywhere for the Xbox 360 uh, or the Kinect. Uh, yeah, the Kinect. Thank you. Yeah, it classic. Was, oh, it was. And by the way, none of the projects that we worked on ever saw the light of day. Not a single one. But it was fine. It was fun. And so then she saw this thing that we had done, a little, like a quick. And I had only posted this little UFC pilot because we didn't have money to pay anybody.
2: <laughs>
1: so now. But I will say, there's actually one thing I definitely want to make sure we touch on later, which is doing stuff for free, especially in esports. Let's loop back to that because I I have a very strong opinion on that. Just for the yeah, point. absolutely. Um, you know, but so and then from there it was like, oh well, I guess I could do on that. She brought me on, Tina Summerford. Love her, love you, girl. She's the best. Um, she actually brought me on. Um. Uh, to do a writing jo- job producing and hosting for what was then Inside Xbox. I don't know if you guys remember. Uh, that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Remember? It was that little... So there was, there's was. there been a couple of ideations from Inside Xbox since, but basically it was the twist at the top of the dashboard that they used to have, like it was Major's Minute, because Larry Herb is the whole thing, and then Trite and True, and all of these other little internal um, productions that we were doing for the Xbox and then that went under too, which was super fun. I love getting laid off by Microsoft, by the way. It's the best, it's the, seriously the best. Just kidding, by the <laughs> way, I should say from us. A, from a, that's probably a terrible timing given where we are in the, like, the last week or so. I've had some friends that unfortunately lost their jobs at some of the studios, but they are the best. They're talented. They will absolutely land on their feet of this, I am sure. But um, so then basically where I had before this U, stupid little UFC pilot I had just assumed I was going to be a producer and a writer, and just and just kind of go with where the you know where the jobs were. Um, after that, when I was brought on to actually when I got actually started getting paid to be a host, all of a sudden it was like, oh okay, so I should make this part of my future. And so I sort of and in, in very similar regard, just kept trying to build on those that experience, trying to do as much as I could, and uh, yeah, and here we are, I guess.
0: Awesome, and. Yeah. So, we, we talked a little bit before, before the podcast started, and we were talking about the difference between being a caster and being a host in yeah. um, the yeah. world of esports. And, you know, this is a growing industry. It, it's something that mm-hmm. isn't as clear as defined as you would see in regular yep. sports. You know, in, in my yep. opinion, you look at something like the NFL. I'm going to use that as an example here. You know, you tune into Monday Night Football. You know you're going to hear Troy Aikman. You know you're going to hear Joe Buck. You know who Mm -hmm. these people are. And they're going to cut right to the halftime show. And they're going to go back to the host Mm -hmm. that we're talking before the game started. And, you know, you're going to see your Dan Marinos and your Bill Cowers. And, you know, you're going to see all these people that you're familiar with. You know these people. And and, in my opinion, that makes and breaks a lot of esports out there. You know, I, I like watching. The ALGS. Now, I, I could go tune into, you know, Imperial House stream, and I and I could watch his point of sure. view. But that's not as fun as listening to the actual production. Agreed. I mean, I I would. I'm the type of guy. I would rather listen to the the whole production and hear mm-hmm. the people speaking, the host, the casters, everybody. I, I want to hear their insight. I want to hear their takes. And in my opinion, a lot of that makes or breaks how great eSports going to be. So, I mean, what what is really the difference between those two jobs inside of eSports?
1: First off, I love that you brought up the NFL. My fiance actually works at the NFL awesome. day in and day out. So <laughs> so very much understand that that dynamic. And he is a, an associate director over there, oh, really so I understand cool. the production too, right? So it's – and I, I do I want to also say, Josh, Josh and Rob, guys, a huge thank you for – not just being so wonderful here and gracious and everything, but supporting that, that mindset of wanting the production value. That's a, that's a really big deal. And I think, I think what, and this is actually, it's funny, this, this kind of um, goes into why I will not be at the um, London land. Why I'm not why I'm no longer with unfortunately the pro league. And it's there is no animosity here, but the reality is that it is business. Yep. And I think everything I'm about to say comes back to that one universal truth. Mm-hmm. Right now, depending on which esports you see, which esports you which esports which esport you follow, which shows you tune in for, there is different amounts of money that people can throw at their production. Some remember all of this, I mean esports is great, but it's generally speaking a loss leader. Oh, right?
0: absolutely. hundred percent
1: Exactly. Really, until Game Pass came along, the Xbox was a loss leader for Microsoft. It just mm-hmm. was, right? And so the reality is that in, in my personal opinion, and again this is this is my my thoughts mm-hmm. here, um, a host is a luxury, right? You have what the ALGS has done, and I fully support and understand why they did it, right? It's very like I said it's business they only have so much money to do what they what the most that they can do and the fact is is that they what they've done now is they've got all of their casters also hosting which they can do because they're so incredible these individuals that it's take it's taken a long time to find this entire roster of of casters and and all of them can can spin multiple plates at once. The truth is, I am not one of those people that can cast. I, I I've never I've <laughs> I think I may have tried a couple of small indie titles for Xbox several years ago for stream. And trust me, you do not want to see me do that because <laughs> that is not my skill set. Not even close. And quite frankly, I like I like I said before we got on casters have a unique and incredible ability, whether they're color, whether they're play-by-play, and ours for ALGS, gang, they can do it all. Do I wish that they had the ability to just do one thing? Yes, because I want, want them the width and breadth and depth that comes with that. But I fully understand when ALGS is up against all the other esports that you could possibly switch to on your Twitch, you know like i get it so and the other thing is and maybe this would circle circle back as well from a just a a point of view like a hey let's make sure we mention this if you're ever wanting to get into esports gaming really entertainment all up whether you're on camera or behind it is unfortunately a very fickle business is very just so the reality is the reason i don't have any grudges is because this is just this, this is just, you know, the, the business that I'm in. And believe me when I tell you it's, it's, I've, you know, I've had, I've, I've been taken over other people. I've been, you know, other people have been taken over me and, and vice versa. It's just, it's just a, an easy thing to understand. And I'm not, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm not as much concerned with that. The point is, is that a host in my personal opinion for these, and actually, I think the LCS had had a lot. to, Some of this happened recently as well, where they got rid of their so or their right They're, I guess designated house. Yeah. It it all comes down to numbers, and it comes down to the the ability for the higher ups in these esports, whether that's the tournament organizer or the developer or the the you know whomever it is that's the the parent of these esports esports organizations. It really comes down to them being able to justify to their bosses, hey, we're doing great. And you know what? The other thing is I don't have as high of a social following as a lot of other people. And that's a money maker too. Like you're bringing in people. That's amazing. So my whole thing is that with a host, from the roles and responsibilities standpoint, you are the glue. If in a in a traditional sense, you come in and you're like, I'm going to give you context for what you just saw. I'm going to help bridge and ask some really impactful questions that will spark an interesting discussion. Like you said, Josh, to be able to have those 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 fascinating sort of very analysis driven conversations with the analysis the and anal- analysts, mm-hmm. gosh. I have been. I'm so sorry. I've also been sick for like two weeks. I feel that. And this is a medicine head, the likes of which I have not seen in quite some time. But the host, in my personal opinion, is 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 not just a traffic coordinator for things, but they hype, they maintain, uh, you know, a thread throughout the broadcast, whether that's a 15 minute or 15 hour broadcast. They are really here to sort of alley-oop. As a host, you don't get that many spikes. If I'm going to metaphorically talk about this like like volleyball, you don't get that many spikes as a host. You do a lot of setting. And that setting really helps keep the momentum going for the entire broadcast. And it's something that I know I take seriously. I know that the people on the ALGS who also host and do things outside of the ALGS also take seriously. It's it, and it, to be honest with you, it can be a real art. And there's some incredible hosts out there. Absolutely.
0: So uh, going back to one thing you said, you know, um, sure. and, and I, I do want to touch on this. We actually talked, our last two episodes, we've actually talked about it quite a bit as far as how esports is a billion dollar industry. Everybody keeps saying that. And, and that's kind of one of our big talking points here in this show every week is where is this billion dollars? Like, where does it go? Mm. Who's got it? I mean, everybody says mm-hmm. that people threw a lot of money at esports organizations and esports in general, but it doesn't seem like there are very many people making that kind of money uh, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. at the esports level. And prime example, and, and you touch on this a lot, is, is there's a certain amount of money that's, that's involved with these tournaments and, and whatnot. Um, the ALGS this season, you know, $6 million prize pool, you know, you, you do the math mm-hmm. on that and you think that there's, what, mm-hmm. there's there's at least four, uh, 30 teams in yep. EA, or I'm sorry, EMEA, there's 30 teams in North America. Um, I, I would assume, it's safe to assume, I'd have to go back and look, but there's also 30 teams, I would imagine, in APAC, APAC South, South America. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you do the math mm-hmm. on all these teams, and really, at the end of the day, how many of these people are getting paid? The top 10% of them? Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: so, and honestly, I think the it when when the other thing is when you say the I my personal feeling is that well not my personal feeling this seems to be the truth which is esports is all about promoting games yeah like that's just what it is absolutely right? it's all about promoting so the reality is that you're actually looking at a very expensive like well so let me back up depending on who you are depending on which eSport you are you're looking at a very expensive overhead potentially. Call of Duty Cod League—that's mm. a really or Call of Duty World League—that's a really good example. I don't know if you've ever watched them.
0: Absolutely, like, yeah.
1: It's every every single segment is sponsored, and they do. Let me be clear—they do actually. I'm my personal opinion, they do a great job bringing in the sponsorship in a way that's. I mean, it, it, it's like everybody's in on it. Everybody knows, you know, this is presented by Mountain Dew. That's fine, you know. But it's they very do, organic. It's it is yeah, and and I think I think I should say it's it's the most organic that I have seen. From esports in a while, and what that shows me is that literally every they're trying to offset the cost of this very expensive promotion for COD. Like that's just what it is, um, and it's not necessarily. And that's also, by the way, that's that's <laughs> that's very black and white. I'm sure there's Absolutely. I'm sure numerous nuances, but at the end of the day, the whole point of esports is to increase reach and audience, and to create an audience that then you can. Sell to, which is perfectly fine. That's how the, you mentioned the NFL. That's how most traditional sports do it. One hundred percent. They're all involved yeah. in the
0: in the media rights and and going to the cod league. Actually, oh, sure. when we talk about the cod oh, league, yeah. you know, if 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 I'm not mistaken, there's a buy into that, and it, it's not
2: cheap. Yeah, it's like twenty mil.
0: <laughs>
1: Are, really? It's 20. I did not know no, that. I should have known that. It's gone up,
0: actually. it's It's, it's no gone kidding. up. I believe now it's-, it's 25 now. It's more now. than that now. That's what it originally was, was 25.
1: That's what they call a barrier to entry. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I don't have that. So so you definitely won't see Nightmare well, Who does if we there. I was gonna say,
1: gang, I don't think any one of us would be sitting here right now if we and not that I don't think everybody's awesome. I think you guys would do amazing, yeah. but twenty five uh, mil, one of us would be on a yacht. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I definitely wouldn't be uh sitting here in New Hampshire right now. That that is absolutely one hundred percent correct. I, I definitely would be sitting here. Um
1: Yeah, we'd be doing like, this but on a yacht. One
0: thing one thing I can say about that, and, and you know, it's a good point you bring up where esports is kind of a loss leader for most games where it's just Basically promotional, you know. When when companies go and advertise, they're spending money and they're not necessarily making that back, other than through name and word of mouth and organically gaining fans. You know, everybody at this point in their in their life has heard of Mountain Dew. Do you think Mountain Dew is going to get any more sales on promotion? (laughs) Let's be honest for a minute. Yeah. Right. So one thing I do like in the system, I do like actually. You see it with Valve with with Dota two. Um I, oh, yeah. I talk a lot about Dota 2 because I think it has one of the best systems out there for esports. You know
1: Crowdsourcing? Yeah.
0: So that's what they do for other tournaments is it's all crowdsourced. But at the same time for these teams and for these orcs. So I've believe it or not, uh, a, a little uh, a little teaser is you may see nightmare mm. very, very soon playing in the in the uh Ooh. yeah, in the Dota Pro circuit. Um Stop. Yeah. It's Can announcement you, uh. coming soon. So that, that'll that'll be soon. But uh the one thing about oh that I can God. tell you is that the organizations actually do get money back from these sales in-game. Uh, you can have mm-hmm. a whole pack of voice lines, skins, uh, banners. I mean there there's a lot actually in that. And orgs actually get a, a portion, a good portion of the proceeds back. I I sure. got all the math. Obviously I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give all the math on stream, sure, of course, yeah. but um, yeah, they they get a good portion of that back, which helps fund the orgs for traveling. So on top of that, the prize pool is all crowdsourced, so the amount that Valve is really spending to get that game funded, if you will, is very little. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yeah. know, they they allow the fans to do everything. And, and a couple of years ago, the uh, the the TI, the International for Dota Two, was like forty three million dollars, and mm-hmm. that's just Ooh. nuts. You know, an eighteen million oh, yeah. dollar first place, you are an instant millionaire. You win that, yeah. you never have to work a day in your life.
1: Well, and actually, Josh, let me ask this question because it used to be that you would also that that pri- that, that battle pass mm-hmm. that which is basically that the crowdsourcing yep. crowd yeah crowdfunding um, is where everything came from that battle pass. I'm not sure what they call it now. It's but, still a battle pass. Um, is it still a yep. battle pass? Okay. Uh, it used to be that only a quarter of that would go towards the the prize pool. So I don't know if that's still the case, or if that was something that I believe that to still much- be the
0: case. So the packs yeah. that you buy, so every organization that plays, whether it be tier one, tier two, or tier three, you yeah. can actually buy the supporter packs for these teams, and mm-hmm. uh, I I want to say it's fifty percent of that funding goes directly to the TI as well. So
1: and that I love, and so and I'm with you a thousand percent because not only does that, I mean it, it does such a it does such a grassroots. It's it, no, let me back up. It's odd that it does such a great job because it's such a grassroots thing for a... I mean, TI... I, I did interviews for TI back... Oh, God, which TI <laughs> was it? You know what? Let's not... Uh, it was back in the day, way early on. Um, and uh, and I, it, it's, it is such... Dota is such one of those... I mean, I, I know everybody likes League of Legends. I fully understand why. But, like, an MMORPG like Dota is so universally accepted and loved. And those we did uh, the reason i bring this up because we did interviews in korea and in where else i can't remember the other place but korea particularly in my mind because these these guys were rock stars even back then so like and, and korea was not great back then i mean they're they're i don't remember how they're doing now but anyway the point is is that like i love that as well because it puts the fans in the driver's seat and it lets it lets valve just say hey you do your thing It's up to you to see this go higher and higher. And then it becomes this great competition and becomes this huge inflated. Oh, yeah, I'm into
0: it. Absolutely.
2: I mean, the great thing about that is, you know, when it's when it's it's crowdsourced like that and they have less overhead, that means they have more money for production value for, say, keeping a host like, say, yourself.
1: Yep, yep. yep. In fact, I know I know the host for Well, that well, you who used to be the host, Casey Aitchison, she and I actually auditioned for that role together. Um, and, uh, she's great. She's and honestly, she still works at valve and valve <laughs> does things like every year they take their entire employee base to Hawaii for a week. Like, mm, that, that's like, pretty awesome. Like, I'm into go. it. Right? right. I
2: mean, talk about a
1: <laughs> benefit. Holy cow. But they can do that because they've been smart about the way that they generate income and they generate revenue and they get, it's, it's like, there's, it's, it's almost like there's a no lose scenario. The fans get these unique in-game skins in-game you know whatever it is and the the players get x number of money the organizations that represent the players remember that's mm-hmm. the that's probably where most of the money well, goes absolutely, anyway yeah. <laughs> they get yeah, and understandably, they get some of their revenue back. Yeah. And on top of everything else, they have this great pro circuit that goes, that, you know, is all over the world and it jumps up support. And you've got majors and you've got minors and you have the whole the whole nine yards. They do so. it right.
0: They, they really do. And you're, and you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, one thing I can say about that, going back to Apex Legends. So if you had, and, and I know it's few and far between right now, but if, if you allowed sure. uh, EA, Respawn, whoever's going to be in charge mm-hmm. of making the decision, I imagine it to be EA. Uh, and you said, "Hey, listen, mm-hmm. let's let all of the pro teams have skins in the game. Uh, yeah, maybe, oh. maybe different drops, maybe different, uh, different. You know, um, I forget what they call them that you drop on the ground and the hollow oh, sprays, sprays. Thank you, thank you. The hollow yeah. sprays. Uh, Oops, you know, whatever. make one for every org and let people purchase it. Give you, give the organizations or the teams themselves if they're not signed, because you shouldn't exclude them because they're not in an organization." Give them a portion of that funding and take the rest and put it towards funding for the actual ALGS. And and I tell yeah. you this: how many people out there are huge fans of TM, uh, T, TSM and would? I was gonna Absolutely. say as soon as girl
1: as soon as they as soon as they announced girl was on I'm like like literally <laughs> I was looking for my girl merch to see if I could wear it today anyway yeah well I mean and I know she's I, I recognize that there's a flexibility she's gonna be like a streamer and and also competing in other tournaments yeah. and everything not necessarily pro league but yeah.
0: and that's awesome kudos to her by the way she deserves it I mean I, I think Absolutely. one of my favorites um, I remember her doing some doing some casting work as well for a, uh, Apex Legends
1: she. Oh my gosh, gang! She is so much fun, and she is great. She she keeps up with everybody, um, and and everybody roots for her every time she's on in lobby. And um, uh, she and I also work together. Do you remember um, Level Up with Girl? I do, I, I do, I do
0: remember, remember that, that. Yeah, series. I remember right? the series.
1: And actually, what's funny is that I got to ghostwrite for her. Like well, that's she, it awesome. was, it was this, and that's. It, it's funny because that's actually what what I do most now is I I do a lot more writing on on various things. So that's really fun. But I think she's one. She's a great example of someone who's taken. I mean, gosh, the grind is real with that girl. I think she was actually did did it, did I see it right? I think she might have been playing in a, a tournament or maybe just streaming while she had COVID.
0: She did that, so like, yeah.
1: Take a nap, babe. <laughs> what are you doing? I,
0: I think she was teammates with uh, with somebody from TSM during that tournament as well, if I remember correctly. Yes, yeah. I think you're I, right. Uh, was it Shiv's tournament that he did?
1: Oh gosh, that's a great question. It oh might have Shiv,
0: been. I love him. <laughs>
1: Uh, that FPS yeah
0: uh, absolutely yeah. and and you know one, one thing I, I do want to ask you Kate is um, sure what goes into so on game days, right th- mm-hmm. this is a big production there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of moving parts here sure. between jumping screen, jumping back and forth to your host and casters and whatnot What goes into the preparation for something like mm-hmm. this like how does that how does that all play out for a day like when do you start when do you finish and, and what goes on in between?
1: So I will say during pro league, and I can only speak for obviously seasons one and two, and then the previous, I, I don't know what we called them. I can't remember. circuits. like yeah. we had like winter circuits, summer uh-huh. circuits, that kind of thing. So I can only speak for that. Um, but I, I, I will say generally, generally if you're in season, it kind of just doesn't end. And I think if you ever, <laughs> if you ever look at this, that sounds, it's not intended to sound like whatever, but the, the, that's the truth because, and, and that's, that is where burnout super duper happens. So just know that. <laughs> but um, as much of a grind as and apologies, my two dogs are in the back and they've decided now is the time to start fighting around. So if you hear that, they're just two French bulldogs living their best life. <laughs> anyway, so in terms, in terms of preparation, though, and this is a great example. Um, uh, if you ever see shocks, she she does a lot of. Um, sort of preparation, this is what I go into, probably because people are stupid and have vast you know, dumb things like do you not prepare for shit, which is stupid. Sorry that I just swore. Anyway, so from a preparation standpoint, it's important, I think, um, not only, so when you come up to a big LAN, right? So right now, the casters, the um, they're going to be looking at scrims, all the international scrims, that's obvious. Yeah. But I think the other thing is that the reason I say you're always on is because much like the players, you're always looking for, the next story, the next storyline, the next narrative. As much as you want to see where they're dropping and what main they're going with and are they changing up the team comp, which is all very important for sure. But I think one of the things, and God bless them, Fallout, Mr. Apex himself, <laughs> he, I don't know, I don't think he sleeps, I love gang. love Fallout. Ball. He is amazing. There is no way he sleeps. There's just no way. He has a preternatural understanding of every single seemingly every single player in that lobby he's like oh yeah their daughter once did or their mom once had a you know like just his understanding of who they are as a person and a player is so incredible and for me as a host the thing that was important was to find to understand a little bit certainly the mechanics certainly understanding all of those different data points that you needed right um and to see how the teams were facing off against each other but the truth is is that the thing that we always forget and i think the thing that a great host brings and fallout and rain day. These are two guys that are so good at it. The important thing is to remember that there's a person behind the mouse and keyboard. There's a person behind the controller. And that gets lost a lot because when, unless you're seeing that person in the post-show interview or you're watching them in picture in picture on their stream, you know, going solo or whatever, you kind of forget that part. Um, And so from a preparation standpoint, it never ends because you're all like, that For me, it would be, yeah, I would watch scrims, you know, and I would watch as much as I could in the amount of time while I was also like fallout doing a full time job elsewhere, um, and other and all, a bunch of other gigs in between. But you'd also be on Twitter a lot. It'd be like, what is this person dealing with? Why is this person venting off to this person? And it's funny because a lot of times you sort of feel like gossip police, but you're, you know, the, the, the intent is not to do that. Listen, I worked at the E channel for like three years. I know what gossip is. This sucks. But the truth is, is that because our because our players are, for the most part, a certain age, they're going to vent off in Twitter more so than they're going to vent to whomever, and so there becomes a thing that influences their gameplay. I don't care who you are. I mean, under the bright lights of a LAN tournament, is one thing. Under the bright lights, when you're solo dolo in your you know you know bedroom while you're trying to win a chance to go to LAN, like that's yeah. also equally important. So that I guess it never ends. But from a product yeah, so so it, it's just a lot of notes. There, I will never. I, I don't think i'll ever show my OneNote that i have but all these tabs it's just a complete verbal vomit so much and then when it comes to the day of i had a another template that i created to to sort of keep up because as i mentioned a host you have to be sort of a traffic cop in a lot of ways and the truth is is that for the most part depending on what production you are, the host is the one that gets talked in the ear the most by production. They're the ones who will need to keep things going or to slow them down or to speed them up or to go straight. So we're so often also a conduit for the production side. And so for me, I had everything written down. Um, I've got like like Glass for um, Teleprompter, but as we all know, ALGS was not that kind of show, which is totally cool. Um, but um, I will say that it helped to have everything down, and it was just it, it just got to the place where you'd have multiple screens, obviously, and multiple windows up every everywhere. It would always have one window that had the map, I'd always have another window that had the POV Twitch uh, what do you call it? Layout, I can't remember what that's called. Command, Command center. center, yeah. Uh, right, and then uh, and it would always have a script up, and the script up had to be there because I had to know. Where I was going and how I was getting there, and if there were any sponsor reads, because that was
0: the—that's a big we one. We talk about yeah. it again.
1: Business is business. You got to get that yep. stuff right.
0: You certainly do, and and you know I I, I can relate to you in a lot of ways. Uh, not necessarily mm-hmm. as far as as far as hosting or casting uh, in esports. So I used to actually travel around the uh, United States and Canada as a public speaker, if you will, and a sales mm-hmm. trainer. So. When COVID happened, I didn't travel as much. I was Ooh. I was kind of home yeah. quite a bit, so I was doing it all um, by Zoom. Where I'm used to going and I'm talking to people. Maybe I'm talking to five people. Maybe I'm talking to five thousand mm-hmm. people. That's everything oh, wow. in between, all that, as well as a lot of these, uh, if you will, uh, training sessions where they're pulling people from all over Canada, the United States, and bringing them to uh, Natick, Massachusetts, to do a, it, a, a big training session. So. When I started doing it on my computer, uh, my bosses now have direct access to this this training session on Zoom. So here they are; they're logging in, and now I'm just staring back at them all the time. And and I'll—it's bizarre. And it, isn't it? When they start typing on that keyboard, and I'm looking at the little thing, and their names lighting up like they're typing, I'm like, oh, great. And <laughs> and I can relate to how much focus is really involved at this point. All of a sudden, as I'm trying not to panic, as I know they're about to yell at me. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and to keep, I and mean, you know what's funny. Another word for keeping momentum is keeping attention. Yes, and that's it's so, it's so like it's so hard to do. And i I often equate, at least from a hosting perspective, I often equate some of these, um, sort of from the commercial break to the next commercial break as. A plane in the air. And you gotta keep the plane in the air because if you don't, it's dead air and then you die. <laughs> and I will tell you, I, if I'm doing this, I've I've been a host for hire an on-camera talent, whatever the nomenclature presenter. I've been that professionally for more than 10 years. And so for me, that has become I like it, it actually blends in my social life. So I don't I don't usually let like there's not a lot of dead air in my conversations. <laughs> I don't mean to say it is a like occupational hazard for sure but it's also come by honestly because the, the thing, the absolute worst thing ever is dead air. And yes. it's, it's the thing that will, right, it, it, it gets to my core, and I think that's what producers really want you to feel like anyway, because it's their job to keep the dead air from happening, and it's your job to be the voice that continues that momentum and keeps that attention.
2: So. Yeah, you
0: know, I think a lot of people in this industry, they're always looking for the right things to say. When you're in this type of job, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're always looking for the right things sure. to say. You're trying to find that perfect line or perfect pitch and whatnot. Yeah. And and something, when I was learning how to be a public speaker that my boss used to say to me is the only person who knows you made a mistake Mm -hmm. is Mm. you that's it yes you are the only one that knows that. that's
1: That's the best no that is such good there's such good advice and it's one that we all have to take but it's absolutely one that like oh my gosh like spot on man spot on and in fact i think I feel like it's it's happened to me more the times than I can tell you and it's also a, a it's remarkable how quickly you feel like It's about the
0: recovery. The
1: kid. Yes. Oh my gosh.
0: It's about the recovery. You're right. It's, it's got to be a you rubber know, band you, you can right be right off, back oh, action. You could be off the beaten path. And Oh yeah. as long as you get back on it. Nobody yeah. knows you're off the path to begin with cuz they don't know. Nobody knows any any better. Oh yeah. Well, other than and you. for
1: me, I <laughs> I was gonna say i i often would lean into my maybe insecurities isn't the right word i think i would lean into my flubbing just because i got to the place where i was like it was first of all i should mention no hosting gig i've ever had outside of esports to be clear none of them have been the grind as long as they are which is why i i love our casters this, this pro league crew are the best at what they do, but they are running marathons every single time because usually there's more than one you know, it, it more, there's more than one region and it's a whole day thing. And so I would, I would flub up lines and I would just like, okay, I guess I'm doing that now and, and sort of be very transparent. Cause that was my coping, the ability there, but you're absolutely right. It's like, if you, if, if the, the absolute worst thing you can do is dead air and tell people that you did something wrong when nobody could tell. And I 100% agree. And quite frankly, I agree because I have a supreme amount of experience in both those areas.
0: And, and you know, w- one thing I can say to that is I, I always enjoyed being a public speaker um, and a sales trainer. Of course, my public speaking related to psychology of sales, if you will, is, is the best way I can describe wow. it. Yeah. You know, t- uh, teaching a process and teaching people how people psycho- psychologically react in a sales situation. That was the majority of what I, what I teach in a nutshell. Um, and, and one thing I always enjoyed about teaching people was when you are a host or a caster, public speaker, whatever it is, if, if you are the one with the microphone in your hand and you mm-hmm. are doing the speaking, you can be whoever it is you want to be. You are in control. Do you want to make people laugh? Do you want to make people cry? Do you want to give them some type of inspirational story? That is one thing that I really enjoyed about being a public speaker was being able to play on the emotions of others, uh, you know, happy, cheerful, you know, a story where you get a standing ovation, whatever it is, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a really good feeling. But my question for you, Kate, is, is what really got you into, what made you want to do this? What made you want to get into hosting?
1: Great question. And I, and I do love that you said that because, and I will, I'll get back to that question in a second, but to, to sort of caveat and button up what you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, One of those things that I always tell new casters, new, new hosts, new on camera is that you get, this is think of this as an opportunity to be your best self unapologetically. Um, It's a fake it till you make it strategy for some people. And for some times, which believe me, I've been there, but for me, I used to use it as, okay, I'm worrying about all this stuff. Guess what? I'm going to give myself a pass. I don't have to worry about all that stuff for the next two hours. (laughs) Like I used it. That's how I had to psychologically get myself into this stuff. And honestly, to bring that to the next question, a lot of it, had i mean a lot of my my the reason i have such a positive feeling about hosting is that i i literally marry it to positive thinking because i get to like put my stuff to the side because that's what they need me to do anyway so it's it's sort of a win-win oddly um but the reason so my dad was a feature reporter for 25 years on television wow yeah it's not not too bad um and he the truth is is that i think where I should have had like maybe fear of, of being in front of, I, I had this great gateway, this great, easy, like, you know, Oh, this, this person in my life. Like, I think if he was an electrician, I wouldn't be as scared of electricity. You know what I'm saying? Like I would be, I'd be like super comfy with like circuits or circuit breakers. I don't know. Obviously I'm not. Um, But I think that element and because of the positivity that he had with it, he had fun, and, and I should say the feature report, I think, was an important part because um, he, he wasn't, like, go and, you know, ch- you know, check out the, you know, talk to the murdered family's, you know, m- murdered person's family, you know, for the 6 o'clock news. Like, he wasn't that. He got to do the fun stuff, and so uh, in, in, in a lot of ways from the early on, I, I equated it with fun. I think the other thing is, and I hope this doesn't sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but there's only so many things... I am good at or can do <laughs> and like, like I'm the first to tell you, like there's there's only so many things that like I have, I like to do and, and can do okay. You know, and that, and, and this is one of them. And I think again, it came from, I, it started off as positive. I grew my experience level and a lot of my stuff, like a lot of how I started out was simply parroting. Like, I, like I wasn't, breaking any like the bank i wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary I wasn't reinventing the wheel i just had so much fun doing something and like i you know i just uh, i guess i just started getting better at it because i was already having fun doing that sure. and i think a lot of times we equate that to like gaming yeah I mean, until the grind gets you down and you bur- <laughs> you you get burnt out at like 25.
0: You know, it's, <laughs> Not that
1: everybody does it's, that, it's
0: funny you but. mentioned that uh, about gaming. I mean, a lot of people involved in esports, even owning organizations or being involved in organizations casting, uh, I, I think they all started because they had a passion for gaming. I don't yes. think many people got into the gaming industry by "I got to get a job, so I'm just going to go into gaming." I don't think that's <laughs> how they really go started. The here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they got into it because they liked it. They, you know, they probably yeah. and and I'm going to date myself here a little bit, Kate. Um, Please. when, when I started gaming, I was just a, a young boy and the Nintendo had just come out yeah. and it was a big thing. It was a big deal. So uh, I'm dating myself a little bit now, but that's really when my, when my, my dreams and just well, came out.
1: And that so many people, Josh, honestly, so many people that I know when we, when you ask about like. The deep pull, when you ask about where they got that passion for gaming, it's because it started off with your family in the living room. Yes. And Nintendo is absolutely at the cornerstone of so many of those stories. So many.
0: Mine was Duck Hunter. Living with, oh, my God. Family. I, yeah. I love Duck Hunter.
1: Did you go up to the front? <laughs> did you go up to the screen? like I oh, did? Yes. was like a terrible right in front hidden, of it. Like Oh, my God.
0: My TV was on the ground, oh and I was the remote. I mean, I, I was born in the 80s, so. Uh, yeah, I, I I lived it. I lived this, uh, no remote, you know, TV's got to change over to the auxiliary three or whatever it is. Oh God, get the, yeah. get the little orange and white duck hunter gun and walk up to the TV yeah. shooting and blasting away at the ducks.
2: <laughs> oh I'll be honest, this might show how young I am, but the very first gaming experience I had was my father stepping away from Unreal Tournament. Shut oh. up. Old CRT monitor. <laughs> wow. Everything's all white. You know, like the mouse, keyboards, all wide, it's all dusty. Dude, he stepped away, and I immediately ran over. Right. yes, yeah, like so it was Unreal this Tournament. Game.
1: This is crazy. Like I don't know, Josh. I I don't know about you, but my parents looked at gaming like a bad thing. When my dad turned forty, his fortieth birthday present was like an Xbox, the new the the, the original <laughs> Xbox. You know, course yeah. and everything, right? And but but he like he wasn't a gamer. It was just it was a it, how do you. How do people talk about the Kardashians now? It's like a, a guilty pleasure. Yeah. Like they like that's what that's what gaming was to them. And that's what you know, like it was is guilty pleasure. That was a stereotype. Yeah. And now I love Rob, I love that you said that because your your parents actually got you into gaming, whether they realize it or not. Like, oh my god. Right.
0: You know, and yeah, was, go ahead, Rob.
2: It's it's funny because my first console was an Xbox, <laughs> like the original Xbox with Halo. I mean, that's yes. what got me into shooters in the first place, and uh, a lot of people in the ALGS transitioned over from Halo. You know, it's yeah. it's interesting stuff. I um or gears. gears, yeah, gears, yeah, gears, classic, love uh, gears. I, um, go no, ahead, go Josh.
0: Go ahead, finish your finish your thought, and then and I'll go after.
2: I was I was I was curious, Kate. You you had mentioned. I hate to backtrack so much, but it just, it's been sticking in my mind this entire time. When, when you brought up that you had all these different monitors and all these different tabs up as you were going through and kind of like preparation work
1: yeah.
2: for, uh, you know, the, the, the hosting, mm-hmm. did you or the producers, was there somebody there that helped you like a statistician? for example, that was, like, feeding you these numbers or stats so that you you were on point and live and updated with everything that was going on?
1: So, um, how do I get this? Yes and no. So, yes, for the, like, so there is, and I can't remember his name, and I, and I feel so bad about this because there's a guy that uh, Fallout actually, I think, connected us with, or uh, to be honest with you, I'm not sure how his, he would come up with, out of the goodness of his heart, him and Fallout, the two of them would, would... Put together a bunch of stats for things going into a tournament, then during the actual tournament, and this is also over the course of what did we say three years, however long before Pro League season three. So I think that was two yeah. years, um, and there would depending on which who was doing the the tournament organizing. Sometimes it was the EA group, and then we moved into I think PGL. And then somebody else, they would generally be keeping an eye on things that we would have graphics for. So, you know, win loss team comp, which who is, uh, you know, how many, how many gibbies do we have in a lobby? That kind of a thing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, so 20. Um, And, um, and so then, uh, so we would have those sort of relatively high level stats. Um, But in terms of like, other more niche kind of like nitty gritty stuff um it would often come from the casters and prime let's be clear primarily fallout because <laughs> that guy knows everything <laughs> and and so for us it was oh somebody has it was a very let's let's put it this way it was a very collaborative area we definitely had stat support um i don't think we had the support that well no i know that we don't necessarily have like like i'm sure the lcs and cod all of these have like Multiple people like in the wings, just sending off things at all times. Um, we had basically high level collaborative stuff um, because we're, you know, trying to trying to put together some interesting stuff. And I think the other thing is that this all goes also back to asking intelligent questions of the analysts. Um, and because those analysts would be having conversations on the side, um, we'd have. So to get into sort of the nitty gritty, um, generally speaking, we would have a Discord up that had our Audio uh, that we would mute on and off, and again, this was all when we were at home. And, and by the way, trying, I give the ALGS so much prop, props for helping to navigate us through <laughs> that tumultuous time when everyone is trying to figure it out. Um, and basically, I I gotta tell you, uh, there's so many engineers that I am sure pulled their hair out when they talked to me because I am not an engineer. I will never be an engineer, but God help me. They found their way through my system at my home. Uh, anyway, so, um, but what we'd have is we'd have a Discord channel generally, or um, there's another, there's a, a couple of other um, software applications that we had, but primarily it was like a Discord with, here's the talent that are live right now, and you'd move yourself into, you know, um, the like the not live area where you could chat if you wanted, but then you couldn't hear your casting, the other casters who were doing the casting. So often we had to sit there and be silent or, mute, or obviously mute and then listen in on stuff and go back and forth via chat. So it, it's not, I also, I live on the PCH. So if you heard <laughs> that uh, lovely siren, that's why. Um, anyway, uh, so it would be, it would be a lot of the production trying to spin plates and we were set up for success. I think, in I think it's probably what you're looking for. We'd be set up for success in that we would have a couple of pages of great stats about, Hey, this team has done, you know, X, Y, or Z against this team, or, you know, this is the drop there. We, we all, we knew things, you know, the, the, the drops were pretty obvious, uh, especially in scrims. And thank goodness, because if they came out swinging that 50, 50 would have been toast. <laughs> Anyway, um, as it always was, by the way, as it always was. Why would you ever do it anyway? Sorry, Um, but uh, it it would just be a lot of communication from the producing and the EA staff in chat, um, and then whatever they could do. The other thing is like the land we had in Sweden. Yeah. God bless them. We had some legendary. Oh, some great statisticians ready to go there, and so. You know, and we got the benefit of being like you could see how it worked in person, and yeah,
0: they're live. Is is there a big difference between live and and doing it from the comfort of your own home? Is is there? I I know there's a big difference as when you're there, you're in the atmosphere and everything. But production-wise, what's the difference between the two?
1: Production-wise, the the production I'm used to works on land. The production I'm not used to works at home. Uh, Although now I'm used to the one that works at home. So basically, on land, I got an IFB in my ear. I know where I'm gonna be from X time, X time to X time. Um, I also know that if I need to have a conversation on the side about something I heard about a player, I can go and talk to our, our ops and they are literally ready to go. We, we had so many different little storylines. And so I can also, like the thing about that, the thing about in person, from a production standpoint, A, I'm able to have a side conversation that could generate a whole segment, which was so nice and so much fun. And it just, it sparks so much curiosity and so much fun and so much interest that then would create something really organic and brilliant, I thought. Um, But two, all of the production elements that we're used to that you guys see are all, everybody has a job. Every single person has a job. So I'm not worrying about whether my lights are working. I'm not worrying about, oh, uh, you know, is is, is my audio peaking? I'm not worried about any of that because I get to do my one job. And to be clear... I like I have a profound amount of respect for streamers because they do with yeah. this in day in and day out. I don't know how y'all do this. It's just <laughs> crazy because I I ended up having to spend so much time in pre-production just to like make sure the lights worked that and like and you know what I mean of all of those things Those auxiliary things that take away time from what you want to do are gone. And so you get to just delve in. And not only that, but the freaking players are right there. (laughs) Do you you know how many times I had to talk? I was like, I'd have to ask, you know, I have to ask Fallout or James or like, hey, who is? And they'd be like, oh, this is because I, I never saw them. For the mo- man, I Some of them don't have the cameras. Most- like a lot of them. Yeah, that's what
2: I'm saying. Put <laughs> a like, name to oh, the man, face.
1: Man, he's a lot taller than I remember.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, amazing. Uh, absolutely. So,
1: yeah. and Everybody has a job in those particular scenarios and everybody – I shouldn't say everybody has a job. I should say every job is filled by somebody and that was really nice. That was really if,
0: nice. If you had one piece of advice and somebody listening to this podcast right now that was interested in one day following in your footsteps – Uh, being a host or being a caster. uh, It's kind of two questions, a two-part question, if you will. So what would you recommend somebody that wants to get into this line of work be doing right now to help improve their odds? And where would you recommend they start looking to get involved?
1: Great, great, great question. Um, So actually we talked about this briefly and I was like, i got to mention this. Uh, and I'm going to try to keep it to one thing. It might, it might be a word cloud, so I apologize in advance. But what I would say is it's it's not – it's – find out – Oh, what's the right word? It? It's like, I, I kind of want to say it's not who you know, it's what you know. But at the same time, it's getting to make sure that the people you want to know know that you know those things. Mm. <laughs> a lot, you know? Um, <laughs> so I think – here's what it comes down to is that um i i don't know if i would be as and i define success in in i mean everybody defines success in different ways i define success as i am able to pay for a fabulous life and do so doing things that are on camera and off and i like that's my, my my level of success uh number of followers obviously i don't care that much because if i did i would work at that more um uh you know so for me the success the successful bar is being able to be paid a reasonable amount of money to do what you like to do on camera so if that is the goal that's the north star um i would say that the and bearing in mind that i don't know how i don't know if i would be as successful if i started out right now that being said if i did it would become I think it, it would be something where – I think I would probably do what I kind of did already, where where I got a different – okay, let me use this as an example. So say – let's use the LCS as an example. If I really wanted to be a caster for the LCS, I would sit there and go, you know what? I'm going to go and try to work for Riot. I'm going to go – mm-hmm. wait, am I getting that yeah, right? Oh, yeah, Riot. Yeah, right. Thank you. Oh boy. It's been been actually a long, it's been actually a long three weeks and I'll say that later. But anyway, um, so I would get a job at the parent company for, for which I want to be a part of obviously still being open to and open to things that come my way, but I would basically figure out a way to get into the sort of a, um, the, the, the creative side, a writing side, um, even a producer side and understand, get to know the inner workings of that area, of that, that business, because as we bring up, and this is a great podcast to have this conversation, it is all about business. And the way to do this is to make yourself valuable, invaluable to that business in order to find yourself up there. Now, it obviously is a fickle business. Entertainment always is. Um, And so that's why I say be open to other things as well. But if you have a real goal, find yourself in something like a riot and try to figure out a way to be paid to do paid to understand the company better. Does that make it, sense? It
0: certainly does. And, and now that you've just mentioned pay uh, one more thing we, we talked about, you, you touched on this actually right at the beginning yeah. of the podcast. Uh, and, yeah. and now I, I want to come back to uh, what you said at the beginning, where you talked about pay and gaming and, and before you get into that. Yep. So we talked about this, I think on our first podcast, uh, pay, for professional players, right? You had a lot of people that'll go through and it doesn't, it could be apex legends. It could be Dota. It could be counter strike. It doesn't matter the game. There are a lot of people that are going to play at the professional level and they are not, they're going to have to go work a full-time job. I I would be shocked. Mm -hmm. It it would shock me right now. If more than 10% of, and I'm just going to use apex as an example of professional players, relied strictly yep. on that pay you know there are very few in apex legends that are paid in actual living wage and in my opinion i think it has a lot to do with the amount of money that's up for grabs there's just not a lot there um, mm-hmm. uh, there is and there isn't let me rephrase that i mean if you finish in the first couple of spots out of over 120 teams yeah you're you're going to be all right for the year but for the yeah. majority of them they're not going to get that kind of money and and I want to hear your thoughts on on pay, especially host and caster pay, is as well. Um, like you said earlier.
1: No, this is a, and and I I always like talking about this because I think visibility is better. I don't think that, I don't, and I mm-hmm. and I'll be honest with you, I'm not airing any dirty laundry that anybody doesn't already sure. know. Um, and so so we talked about my fiance works for the NFL, right? And um, traditionally and as and I have the experience of having worked and by association then paid by various entities, right? And, and various industries, I think is the right way to sure. put it. So when you're doing, and actually when, when like for me, the the, the the biggest money comes from corporate events. It comes from corporate um, gigs of any kind because they want the best and they go and they like, it's a very competitive thing and you have to get the best. Anyway, when it comes to sports and I lump esports into it, when you compare entertainment all up and the sports section including esports it is a marked difference my rate for algs my rate for any kind of sports related anything is significantly less than my day rate on a regular xbox gig right it's it's it is significantly less and that is because i know <laughs> from experience that I would not be able to get work if I charged what I charged to them. Um, And it becomes, it becomes cost prohibitive. And even now, obviously, like even now, a a host is still, is a luxury in that, you know, obviously I'm not going to, I'm not a part of pro league season three. And a lot of that, well, I assume, I assume all of it, God help me, but uh, what has to do with dollars and cents and understandably so. And so for me, I always assume that the rates are lower because they are for esports and gaming and for sports all up. Here's what I will also say: um, I and I recognize how privileged this is going to sound. So just know that I'm very ba- I am self aware. <laughs> However, there is in my my personal opinion is I I don't think anyone should do anything for free. I I recognize that you get some exposure if you are um, a casting a tournament for free, if you're hosting a a stream for a company at the end of the day, it's not, it does. And again, there's no way to not sound privileged, but the reality is that you're not doing yourself a service, I think for devaluing yourself at that place. I think doing things for free, understandably people come to that place where they, they, they feel like they have to, and I get it. Um, it, for me, I have, I, I don't, I've set dangerous precedent before when I've charged too little. And so when I take that kind of thinking in mind and I think about not charging at all. Um, and again, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm later on in my career here. So again, privilege, but I will also say that there is certainly something, there is a way to do it and make money. Even if it's not – even if it's, like I said, I, like I take a pay cut to do Apex. I, I, I did all three years, which is totally fine because that's just the norm in that arena. But doing anything for free I think is super dangerous, not just for the individual. I mean it's one thing if you do it for your university. Like, I, like, fine, I get it. I, I think but,
0: a, a lot of what that no? is, is that's a dangerous precedence. I mean yes. so I, I say this all the time to esports players uh, going to the professional level. I mean, you have a lot of these guys signing with teams that are paying them zero dollars. Say, what what benefit yeah. does that bring you? If, if you're not yep. going to get paid, you know you're good. When you're If you're in a pro league, it doesn't matter what game you're playing. If you are at the top level of that game, you are worth something, right? Mm. And if you take a contract for free and you're not getting any money, you're setting a dangerous precedence for other people to yeah. justify paying everybody else either less money or no money at all. So yeah. always, if, if you're good at something, uh, an old saying, if you're good at it, don't do it for free.
1: And, you know, I'm, yeah, sorry, Rob.
2: I'm, I'm 100% on board with that. I mean, I'm, I can relate to that. And, and Kate, I don't actually think it's privileged what you're saying there.
1: Okay. Um, I
2: when I moved. No, I mean, I can see that. Anyways, uh, when I moved from the Northwest to, to, to Vegas, as I, a longtime DJ, I've been DJing for 13 years now. Um, when I moved down here, I said, I would no longer do things for free. And in bringing up like potentially providing less pay for other people, how many times I had run into scenarios, I said, Hey, you know, I negotiate my rates, blah, blah, blah. I'd have a client and they'd say, Oh, well I know so-and-so who would do it for free. And there's so many people that are just wasting their, their time and energy and saturating the market for lack of a better term. Yeah. And it takes real talent or, or or you know veterans of that particular industry and devaluing them.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think so I don't think know, it's
2: privileged at all.
1: And I and I appreciate that too. I think I think I go to that place because I I feel like I, you know, my, even when I interned, I I made money. You know, when I was back in like my early 20s or whatever. And and it's because I went looking for something that was paid. My my whole thing is that it it ultimately it will take longer, and I think knowing that, and knowing, and coming into, if you were to give, you know, Josh, we talked about your the, the question of like, hey, if you're trying to get into this now, what's a great, you know, what what kind of advice? The reality is that in esports and all, and I'll keep it esports and gaming, right? The grind is real, no matter what side you're on. And for me, and I, Rob, I love that you said that about coming in. I mean, you want to talk about a. a, a Target rich environment for DJs. Holy cow. And I can totally understand Vegas being a place where, you know, people would be like, oh, well, this person will do it for free. The reality is that, yeah, but that they're not then then they're devaluing their self to that degree. And I will also say, and what really sucks is that a lot of times it's the younger person, it's Correct. the less experienced uh. person which unfortunately, so we're giving the advice and I stand by this a thousand percent, which is wait to be paid for what you're worth. And I know that's kind of that weird catch 22. Cause like you need to experience to be worth more, but then how do you get the experience? I get it. It happens. It's a slog, but it does happen. And the worst part is, is that the reality is that unless that younger generation, that less experienced generation takes that and runs with it, unless they, unless they stand up in mass to that idea it's not going to change which is a so much it's so much pressure to put on somebody you know who doesn't have that experience but that being said i think you're you know you're spot on rob the reality is that there's going to be any any organization that lobs something like oh well so-and-so will do it for free here like it, the, the truth is you're right someone will always do it for free let's be clear like for, i mean for the most part i, I shouldn't say like huge thing but the someone, especially in esports, if they're giving given an option, someone will always do it for free for the exposure. But the reality is that it's taking time and money away from you, even if it's just taking your time. And so that's 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 where I'm at with all of this. And I also believe that if you have the amount of tenacity, the energy and the 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 drive to show up for five hours on a tournament day and do it you know, for $0, then you have the amount of determination and presence of mind and also professionalism that people who pay money for that take. So.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, on that same, on on that same, and and the last thing I'll say about it. So as an esports organization owner, I've talked to a lot of teams. Uh, We've had a couple of teams come through in the ALGS and right after our, our our former team, unfortunately, didn't make it. Um, number one, their their contract was coming to an end. Either way, so we were kind of in that position to begin with. But I, I have spoken with a couple of teams, and I would I would tell you, you get you get both both um, aspects of that. You know, you'll get one team that's asking for a lot more, maybe than than really where the market would persist. You know, one one thing I don't ask all players is. It's got to be a mutually beneficial agreement. Mm. It's got to be yep. mutual. You know, you, you can't afford to pay a team, you know, let's just say a hundred thousand dollars between three players for an entire year yeah. to win five thousand. Yeah. That just there, there's no way that is going to work, and un, unless you have deep pockets, and most people don't have that.
1: Well, unless you're taking a lot. Right. Unless Josh. Unless someone like yourself is taking a lot, right. which. What's the business, and it comes back down to once again, this podcast is about business uh-huh. and, and and not just esports, but like the gaming and the and all, how all of that intertwines. And you're spot on, like it's absolutely, it,
0: it certainly is. And and I would tell you at the same time, you'll you'll talk to other teams that maybe you see, oh boy, I mean, if these guys want to want to do it for this, why why wouldn't we? Um, yeah. You know, you, you get you get the, the you get both aspects, both ends of that. And I say it's not just um, to me, of course, that's that's every organization out there. You know, and shame on those that would actually take advantage mm. of people and sign, you know, somebody could come looking to you, hey, if you pay me $100 a month, I'll play for you. And it just so happens, this, this person's maybe like, you know, top 10, top 100 in his respective eSport, whatever it happens to be. And so they go, oh yeah, I'll absolutely take that deal. I mean, I, I've always valued paying people what they're worth. And when I, when I look at okay. contracts and, and I talk to players, I like to make it lucrative where if we do really well, you deserve this, this much money. You deserve a lot more than what you're getting yeah. paid now. If we're not doing so well, this is what you deserve. But if we're doing great, you deserve the moon. You deserve everything. And I always try well, to put a value on, on people's achievements.
1: I, I love that. And I think that what's nice about that it's is that it's, you're not just sharing profit, you're sharing value. And I think ultimately, if the roles were reversed – like, there's no way that a player would go, oh, yeah, sure. Here's here's my entire sandwich. <laughs> I'm cool. Of course. Uh-huh. I'll eat later, maybe. <laughs> it, it
0: never works out that way. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, we, we try to be fair with everybody. And, you know, I, I would tell you, I, I hope companies out there that are hiring um, paid production and, and paid casters and hosts, that they're doing the same thing. Yeah you know, um, you want to be fair with everybody and you want to make sure that everybody's getting yeah. a piece of the pie and everybody's getting paid. Because, I mean, you know, let's be honest, these players that are playing this game, whether they were getting paid or not, they're probably still going to be playing the game. Uh, but casters and hosts, they're not going to be doing this without getting paid. I mean, that, that's a whole different that's a whole different element. That's a whole different side of gaming. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's one that we really want to explore in this podcast because... I don't think there are a lot of episodes out there that kind of relate to this type of this type of work or this type of business. Yeah, you know, everybody wants to talk about what's happening with 100 Thieves today, what's happening with Fnatic and TSM, and what's going on over at the uh, the LCS. Uh, what's going on with uh, Counter Strike League? Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, we really want to talk about.
1: Yeah, well, and I was going to say, to be honest with you, I think that ultimately, like one of the th- reasons that I don't think you hear a lot of podcasts talk about it. And like an and 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 an, an, Rob, I'm gonna use the word privilege. Apologies, but um, I will <laughs> yeah. say, like, like in, in in my in my stance, I my my livelihood is not reliant on ALGS, so I get the ability. I get to say, hey, listen, these guys are amazing, but this is how the industry is from my perspective. I that's not a problem for me, you know. It's and it's by the way, no ill will, as I've mentioned numerous times. I hope because. The the ALJs are great. They've done some awesome stuff. They've been very good to me. The community's been awesome, and and the higher ups have been great. But the reality is that there's a lot of times it's very mafia esque. It seems at least in my in my mind, where there's there's very you know there's there's PR agencies brought on to make sure that whomever you're you're a mouthpiece for the organizations, and I fully understand that, and I totally understand why. And by the way, like I said, I'm not really going rogue or anything. It's just that I I am in that privileged place where. I have had a great experience. I get to talk about that experience. And I think I I hopefully will be able to hopefully this podcast has shed a little bit more light on the experience I had and hopefully to, to shed some light in general on the industry while not disparaging anybody. Because the reality is everybody is coming from a place of business. That's just how it is. That's just how it's going to be, which is part of the reason this podcast makes so much sense.
0: Absolutely. And, and I think people need that dose of reality. You know, like, like I yeah. preface this whole episode, you know, a billion dollar business, a billion dollars in eSports, investors throwing all this money around sure. and all of a sudden everybody's going, oh my, I've lost so much money in this. What happened to that billion dollars? Well, somebody else has it now. <laughs> so what we really yeah. try to do is be realistic you know, last week's episode, uh, we talked about owning esports organizations and how I highly do not recommend you do that unless you have some money to get going. Uh, It is expensive. And there's a big difference between an actual like gaming community and an esports organization, which is a legitimate business. And the other ones are a group of friends that just go out and try to get other people to play games with them. So, and sometimes they kind of, Call themselves the same things, but there is a big difference between the two. And it's it. I I relate that kind of to casting and hosting as it's an aspect of a business that people should know about and know what goes mm-hmm. into it, and and how much. And it's-, it's
1: honestly here's the other thing we here's the other thing we forget by the <laughs> way is that like. Esports is still kind of new. Yes. Like I know that, I know, I know, like I, I recognize that it's not for so many, but the, 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 we, we, we bandy about the billion dollar business thing, I think because there's still legitimacy that's being sought after, even though, yeah, to your point, even though you have, you know, like <laughs> you have all of these, like the, the the big organizations doing major brand deals with this, that or the other fantastic. But the reality is that if you want to compare, esports to traditional sports which is believe me what is exactly being talked about in conference rooms and board rooms where the 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 big bosses make the make the the determination of stuff like the reality is that we're still, still a i ways wouldn't off. say infancy by any means i feel like we're we're what, still that? a
0: little ways off we are,
1: we are. and i think there's a, there's sorry i thought you said my mic was off and i was like well that's interesting <laughs> no but there i actually equate it and I, i'd be curious josh rob you tell me what you think i i think of esports as being in kindergarten that's where I feel like we are. Like, I'm curious if you're if you are in that same boat, or if, where do you think where do you think we are in a in a sort of an industry, Josh?
0: So I, I tell you that, uh, like we talked about last week, I think we're right where you just said we're in kindergarten. We're we're still in its infancy, and we talked about this a lot actually on our first episode, where we look at when esports really started to take off, and and you can actually look back at that timeline, and it's probably in the the Y2K decade is when it really just started to yeah. explode. I mean, over the past probably 7 or 8 years has it really really become a big thing. The NFL, the MLB, the NHL, the NBA, they've been around for all of them have been around for over a over a century. You know, they yep. they've been playing since probably the mid 1900s. I'm sure if you look back at the NFL, they've been around since the 1920s. Um, you look at the NHL, they've been around since actually, I think it was 1897 was the inception of that league. Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> and you, you look at the NBA has been around forever. You look at, uh, MLB has been around forever. You know, they've had all these years to really perfect that industry and how they make money and how everybody, you know, what the norm is, you know, how the process works. You know, if somebody follows that sport, they know exactly how that sport works. They know the process of how players come into the league. They know the process of the games. They know what all these athletes make for money. And Mm -hmm. everything's just common information. They know when free agency starts. They know how much team, how much cap room their teams have. I I think one day esports will be at that level. It'll be a little bit different than Mm -hmm. your traditional sports, I think. But I think over the next probably 10 to 15 years from now, I think is when you'll really have a solidified esports scene. Because you got to remember, our, our parents didn't grow up in this type of environment. You know? Yeah. And now that. Well, Rob... <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's, uh, That's not thought. I, w- I wouldn't say, like, you know,
2: to the extent it is now. I mean, heck, when I was a kid, if you had told me I could, I could watch
0: professional.
2: professional esports on cable television, I'd say you're crazy.
0: That's not going to yeah. happen. And here it is. 100%. And, and you know, I yeah. to, to finish my point. One of
1: my first jobs actually. One of my first jobs was uh, E-League.
0: E-League? <laughs> oh, yeah. For nice. I know. Believe me.
1: I, I, like literally I made my parents watch like on TNT. TBS? TBS. Yeah. God. Anyway. But, yeah, Rob, 1,000%. Sorry.
0: <laughs> and I, I tell you that um, one day we'll be there. You know, you have this generation now coming up through that have been involved with Twitch and YouTube and Facebook gaming and TikTok and and playing games. So when this generation's older and they're watching, you know, and they're having children, their children are now going to, you know, take up some of the interest that their parents had in sports and whatnot and esports. And I think that's when you're going to start seeing the shift uh, more towards esports being a legitimate sport, if you will. And we talked about this last week actually on our on our podcast. One of the first topics we had where France was actually dedicating a lot of resources to becoming esports friendly and doing K1 visas, athlete visas. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, that's a good one. And, and how they're trying to get uh, esports into the Olympics, which is actually huge. So, dude, Rocket League, come on. Let's just do it. <laughs> I'm going to have to go and buy a Rocket League team now, I guess. <laughs> we'll
2: know when esports made it when we're getting super rare holographic like esports athlete cards like yo do you see, i just got this like super rare like first edition imperial hell
1: yeah well or like lil nas x is performing in your arena during what was was it LC, lcs lcs uh
0: lil nas didn't he do uh fortnite was did he Fortnite do a Fortnite it? concert or something like that?
2: I I think he did do like he collaborated with a song for League.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm just remembering him in robotic gear in the middle of an arena. Oh but, yeah, but you know okay. What? You're also Fortnite's another great one. God bless them. They they have figured out a way to make you sit in that lobby, to make <laughs> and you sit in that area listening to. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Like, in any concert that is done, like, like the metaverse is real, gang. Yeah, let's just go we're in getting and there. let's go full force.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, again, Kate, I want to thank you for coming on today and talking sure. with us. We really appreciate you. Um, and deep down inside, I'm going to tell you this. Um, sorry, big shout out to, of course, Fallout and uh, mm. Tom, uh, Rain Day, oh, yeah, everybody else. but. Day. Vicky yeah. God. You have always been one of my favorites and, and we're so glad to have you on the episode episode today. And, oh, man. and Kate, how can people, how can people find you meant to follow you and follow oh. your story?
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, I'm on, <laughs> I, obviously I'm not terribly great at social media, but you know, things are happening and there's lots coming up in, in this year that, uh, well could, could be some good, some, some fabulous, interesting things. So, um, and, uh, my, at, kate yeager on twitter i'm pretty easy to find there i'm uh, at kate monster with a just at kate yeager on twitter is easy because that's where all the links are if you need anything but um but yeah drop me a line if you and i also say if people are looking for advice i mean like uh, again like i only have my my little corner of this pie but if they're ever looking for something i mean i'm happy to have conversations i talk to classes a lot actually um uh, for alma maters in uh, UW and Wazoo. Woo-hoo! woo <laughs> So there's that. So yeah, so yeah, I'm happy to answer any questions that I know of and you know, try to spin those plates continually here in 2023.
0: Awesome. And again, thank you so much for coming on today. And as always, we hope our listeners enjoyed our episode today. Kind of raw. We just like to give it as it is and, and just tell our perspective on gaming and the business of gaming. And next week, I think people are in for a big treat. Um, I, I have a couple of friends that we kind of have differing opinions on eSports and what's legal and what's not legal. For instance, um, yeah, they, versus mouse aim, and assist. Keyboard. they aim assist. They're, they don't think if you're on a controller, you, should be, uh, you should be playing professional sports with people on a mouse and keyboard. So we're going to have a really fun time arguing next week. Probably going to get pretty heated. Um, <laughs> they're good sports, though. I'm a good sport about it. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll tune in. Here we go. (laughs) And on behalf of myself, Rob, and Kate Yeager as well, uh, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And remember, five-star review, like it, leave a message, uh, questions, comments, concerns. By all means, reach out to us at E is for Everyone podcast on Twitter. More than happy to answer any of your questions or discuss certain topics you want to hear on air. And as always, thank you so much, everybody. Have a great day.
1: Thanks gang. Ciao.